Welcome to After Dusk with Don Piercy, where we're not afraid to talk about things that go bump in the night. With special guest co-hosts and so much more, we're bringing you the facts versus fiction and the history of it all. Remember, it's always darkest before dawn. Tune in every Wednesday at 10.30 and get your bite. <laughs> We're picking up where we left off on After Dusk with Don Piercy with a continuation from last week. Get your bite on. Well, of the, the amount of exposure that it could give itself if it continued attacking or preying upon one area. So it took a few and moved on. And then the other thing that I might say about that one is and when you're talking about it, people claim it to be a ghost. But think about it as a predator, it's this being has become very adapt to using the dark. It knows where the shadows are, the light. It knows how to maneuver and 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 get to its prey, right? All mm-hmm. predators do that. So back to this last one, I would say that mm, there could be elements of truth, but for the most part, I think that would be a focal. <laughs> yeah, he was already all dried up that. like a prune. <laughs> yes. Yes, I still stick to my guns on less is actually more. Oh, that's funny. All right, so now we're moving on to number five, uh, Jur Grando. Now, Jur Grando was a peasant from Istria, Croatia, who died in 1656, and he allegedly terrorized villagers in the area for 16 years um, after his death. Official documents from that time name him a Strigon which is also a.k.a. Strigoi, and we'll get into that later. Yes. The local name for a vampire. <clears throat> now, Jur Grando's case is important in the vampire folklore is that it's the first time in history that the word vampire was officially applied to a person. According to locals, he would wander the village by night and knock on people's doors. Okay. Whoever's door he knocked on, they would die. Oh, my gosh. And he yes. wasn't doing if he when he wasn't doing that he was bothering his widow for sex. <laughs> oh, she divorced him. Why not? Okay, right? so oh yeah, no, she didn't divorce him. He died. Oh, supposedly. Oh wow. Okay, wow, it gets creepier. Whew. Okay, eventually people got tired of being terrorized by an undead monster, so the local priest took a stand and went out to face him. Grando was no match for the priest who warded him off with a cross. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, yeah, he warded him off with the cross. The priest and some villagers chased him back to his grave, dug him up and decapitated his corpse. I have to say on facts versus fiction, that one's fiction. What do you think? Yes. Yes. Okay. All um, right. Yeah. All right, we're at number four with the Hunterprest of Melrose Abbey. Now, the Hunterprest was a nickname given to an 11th century priest of Melrose Abbey in the Scottish borders, and he was given the nickname because of his favorite pastime, hunting on horseback with a pack of hunting dogs. Okay, seems pretty normal to me. Hunter, okay, Hunterprest means dog priest. I didn't know that. Did you know that? Yes, I have. Yes. Well, I use that word often. Oh, do you? Okay. (laughs) Now, the 
the story of the, Mel, the of the vampire of Melrose Abbey is based sometime around the year, the year 1138. And in the life of life in life, the hunter pressed was a bit of a bad man. So when he died, he returned as a revenant. He was forced to drink the blood of innocence and change into a bat. Oh no, no, that, that, uh, that fiction. I have to say fiction yes. on that. I call, yes. I call bull beep. Okay. Yeah. Let's yes. put it at that. Okay. So I'm going to skip that one because that one is definitely. A TV show. Okay, The Vampires of New England is at number three. There weren't many tales of vampires in America until the dark discovery of a grave in Griswold, Connecticut in 1990. The grave contained the bodies of farmers from the 1700s. All were normal except one. One body had been beheaded and its skeleton was rearranged to the shape of a Jolly Roger. A Jolly Roger? Yeah, that's the uh, pirate flag. It's a skull and traditional oh. skull and crossbones. Okay. Sometimes it's a skull and cutlasses, um, but usually it's a skull and crossbones. And of course, at that time, pirate, you know, pirate, you know, piratism or pirateering. I'm not sure. private inter, uh, privateering is what they call it. Okay. Was very popular. Yeah, especially through the Caribbean. Okay. Well, it was decided that it wasn't just a simple grave robbery because all their valuables were still there. Okay. And it had been done, uh, as it had been done 10 years after the death, no valuables were, were, had never been removed. It mirrored a case in the neighboring Jewett City where around the same time 29 bodies were exhumed post mortem and burned. Now, this was something of a vampire epidemic. Epidemic and the most famous case from this time is that of Mercy Brown, a girl who died from tuberculosis. Now, sometime later, the rest of her family started to fall ill and die one by one until Mercy's body was dug up and found to be remarkably uncorpsified, and then she was burned. Hmm. What do you think, fact or fiction on that one? Well, I'd probably say fiction. And actually, I was just looking up here to see what the American Indians had in the way of vampire mythology. And I am having a little bit of trouble kind of locating stuff. So I would say that as far as as kind of the history of vampires, yeah, about that time would probably be when the first of the European vampires may be making their way to the United States. But I suspect that there was, I do know in American Indian uh, lore that there are some demons that were like vampires. That, okay. But as far as actual humans turn vampire, becoming vampire, that I am, I'm not aware of, which would be interesting to look into because so to make, so for this, for this article to say the first vampires coming to America may not be, it could have been American Indian vampires. Right. Then warriors with lost souls, who knows how that all works, or a demon that turned one of them into a vampire. But I would say fiction mostly. Okay. Now we stand at number two, the Gorbel's Vampire. This tale started with the rumor that a vampire with iron teeth. <laughs> Sorry, I got a laugh on this one. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call... I'm going to call fiction right there. Okay. I'm not, well, anyways, this vampire with iron teeth in Scotland. 
and had apparently taken two children within a few hours. The graveyard was full of children with makeshift weapons like sticks and knives hunting for the vampire. Authorities blame the occurrence of hysteria and influence of American comics from Tales from the Crypt. <laughs> I got to laugh at that one. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Number one on yeah. the list is okay. one of the most legendary women vampires. Yes. Elizabeth Bathory. Yes. The Blood Countess. I have a crush on her. Yeah, big crush on her. Elizabeth Bathory is perhaps the most famous vampire in history after Vlad the Impeller, which was actually his cousin. Uh, but while Vlad yes. wasn't really a blood-sucking vampire, merely the inspiration for one, Elizabeth Bathory may have actually fell, fed on and bathed in blood. Um, she was a, a Romanian countess in the 16th century who found joy in torturing peasants. And I know she would lure hundreds of girls to her house and she would drain them and bathe in their blood and um but rumors begin that elizabeth was a vampire and it was alleged that she bathed in the blood of the young maidens <laughs> and it's reported she began to do this to reduce the effects of aging though some of the historians refute this claim as actually being added to the story as after the fact, eventually Bathory was walled inside her castle alive with only yeah. enough space for her to receive air and food until she died years later. Now, it was said that um, I had actually read up that um, there was like four years that she didn't eat and she was still alive. And then I read I up that they exhumed her coffin and there was nothing in it. Okay, see, yeah, and so this is the fact or fiction. This is where I would say that this is a very possible possible fact. So we know historically that what she did is true. There's actually uh, military and law enforcement at the time, constable records of, of disappearances and stuff. We know um, that, that, that she did these things. And so the question is, and this is where we get to, like, maybe the meat of, of the vampire is, why would or, or why do you drink blood or take victims, right? And, you know, there's there's never, ever been this conclusive. Some people say it's it's um, it's it's kind of a blood condition, some, you know, that. And so you drink drinking the drinking of blood or the bathing in blood in her case is a way to kind of regenerate their, their own blood, their own skin or you know, their own conditions. You know, some people say it's some sort of disease that they contracted. Uh, like maybe some people say porphyria. Porphyria. Yes. Right. Which is known as the Royal disease. But you know, yes. my, I actually got, had to get checked for porphyria. I have severe photosensitivity. So they checked yes. for, profer for proferins in my bloodstream and my urine. Now, my grandma had proferia. And there is actually a long line of people with proferia in my family, but I was lucky enough to not get it. But they say that they call it the vampire disease because it's an iron deficiency. Proferins are iron. And when you don't have enough iron, what do you crave? You crave ice. You crave meat, 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 meat. Be, be, it's the blood and the meat. I'm telling you what. It's yes. the blood and the meat that they're craving. So, and because of the iron. 
And um, so I think that could be, you know, a part of the genetic part where people say, oh, it's the vampire disease. No, they just have porphyria. You know, um, right, right. So, um, and then, but what if it was more? And see, this is a thing. So, like, as as you know, in my in my novel, without you know, my I I kind of put forth this biological plausibility, and through right. my research in the book, um, there. So on on Earth, there are five biological examples of of animalia that are considered immortal. And they all have various traits. But, for example, the belladoid, which is like a kind of a tiny little, like a, it's a microscopic little kind of wormy-looking animal there. But what's important about that is that it actually has been known, or they've, when they've dissected it, when they've analyzed it, they've found DNA from its own kind or other microscopic animalia and plant life that it is absorbed and they've found where it's meshed this DNA from other of it of its kind or other animalia into its own, which mm -hmm. they believe helps <coughs> increase lifespan. And, and it's considered immortal only for the fact that if left unmolested by other animalia that will eat it, it'll live forever hypothetically that's what they that's what they've been they have found some that are that appear to be several thousand years old so they can survive for many thousand hundreds or thousand years if they just don't get into the mouth of something that wants to eat them so when we talk about elizabeth bathory this is why that she's such an interesting case because here it's there's historical documentation of her drinking blood and bathing in blood Okay, but what is in blood? DNA, genetic strands, right? So and iron. Could, yeah, yes, and iron minerals and these things. But I think what maybe for, say, in this case, what I would maybe propose, and not just about her specifically, but vampires in general, that the ingestion of blood, and I think even flesh, because I think true vampires probably also are cannibalistic to a point. But... Are they intaking this? It's, what they're really doing is they're taking in this genetic material. Thanks for tuning in to After Dusk with Don Piercy. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you enjoyed it, like, share, subscribe, and tune in next Wednesday for the next part in our web series at 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And if you feel fit to buy me a cup of coffee once a month for bringing you this series, you can do so at our anchor.fm platform under a new podcast. Until next time, keep it real.